Hey everyone, welcome back to But Why the Podcast, where every week we talk about the things people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Um, check out new episodes from us every Wednesday, and if you'd want to support us a little more, head over to patreon.com slash butwhythopc for all our exclusive and bonus stuff. about why the podcast and today with the 50th anniversary of apollo 11 we are covering project apollo as always i am kate i'm here with adrian hey how's it going and matt hello and because there's somebody on this podcast who is a legit scientist and has degrees and stuff in it he's gonna lead the episode so do it matt yeah but i don't have a degree in space science natural sciences (laughs) So what is what is the actual term for space science, Matt? <laughs> space science, um, astronomy, astrophysics. Yeah, well, I mean that's that too. There's a lot of. I can't do space science. <laughs> <laughs> know a lot about space, but yeah. Um, so I guess as always, we'll start off with a question as we always do, and I guess I have like one or two. Um. Do you have any, like, space stories of, like, anything interacting with space that stands out to you? And do you believe in space exploration? Do, do I have, like, have I been to space? No. <laughs> I don't I guess have you been to space. Time. You were in the International Space Station, Adrian. Tell me. Tell me about the time that I beat the Russians to space. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't really have any space stories. I love space. I love sci-fi stuff. Um, I think the only, like pop culture e one that I can think of off the top of my head is that there is a pretty big uh, planetarium in El Paso and the cast of The Next Generation went there and I sat in the same seat that Worf sat in. <laughs> and that's culturally significant in my mind. Um, and if I, do I believe in space exploration? What am I? Some... I, don't, I can't think of like the word that we can say on the podcast of people who don't believe in <laughs> space exploration. But yeah, of course people I do, man. Who, who believe we live in a dome and the planets are fake? Yeah, yeah. No, this is we we need this fund fund NASA <laughs> or let Elon Musk shoot more stuff into space. I don't know anything space related. We need we need more space. It's not like our planet's dying or anything. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um so uh, I guess we. My best space story is that I helped my grandpa mow lawns one year to get enough money to buy a telescope. Except we lived in, like, urban San Antonio where you can't see the stars. But I was, like, eight, and my dad helped me set it up, and we attempted to look at the stars with my, like, target telescope. Um, but I had really fond memories of it because I used to watch all the um, like National Geographic and History Channel stuff before they became other things, specifically History Channel. And so, like, my dad was always it was my love of like 
archaeology, but also my love of space. Like, my dad showed me Carl Sagan's universe when I was pretty young. Um, and so he always hit that. And then kind of like Adrian, like, I can't be a lover of sci-fi and not love space exploration. But I also think, too, that space exploration is a necessity at this point, given our current trajectory on this planet. Um, and yeah, I mean, I believe in space exploration. <laughs> like that's, I guess it seems like a silly question because it's like, do you believe in space? Um, but I know that it's a really hot topic and NASA is at the lowest money it's ever received before. Um, so, I mean, I know it's relevant, but I, I believe it and I think we need to be looking up and if we're not looking up, we've lost any sense of exploration that we have. Um, so one, so one, um, I guess I could have, I guess I could get more, a little better context for space stories, but like, Kate, you and I have gone to obviously the space center, station, uh, center yeah. in, uh, Oh, so are you talking about, like, actual, like, looking at space stuff? Well, no, I mean, yours was great, too. I mean, that was great interest in space. I was just saying, in general. Oh, yeah, I got a lot of stories for, like, the Space Center at Houston, but I just remember that's, like, my very first, like, space story. But I also know we were, like, in at the Houston Space Center way longer than it probably needed to actually go around the entire thing because I just kept circling back and looking at things, and... They have, like, the Star Trek uniform that they sent up to space in there, and it's super cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. When I went to to, to D.C., but I spent the most time in the aerospace uh, museum just because it had so much stuff in it. I just wanted to touch all of the moon rocks and oh. touch all of the things because I never know if I'd be able to touch stuff from space again. And I bought a really cool Star Wars shirt. That said, um, may the E equals MC, or the, not E, not, not MC squared, but like the, whatever the damn calculation is for force. Is it mass times, times velocity? Like acceleration. Acceleration. Matt yeah. is so upset. I can just see it on his face. Yeah, I know. It hurts <laughs> I don't care. I knew what it was when it was there, but I woke up from a nap to record this episode, Matt. So, <laughs> but no, like I... Oh, I also made my feet hurt when we went there because I have a pair of Galaxy Keds um, that don't fit me very well, and they're kind of painful after a little bit, but I wasn't going to go to the Space Center and not wear my Space Keds because that would have been a missed opportunity that I would have regretted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do it for the... Matt's just... The scientist heart of Matt is just hurting right now. Not really, because no, these are great stories and why I asked this question specifically. Um, as far as, I guess, for me, like, and basically I looked it up because I knew it ha happened. In 1995, uh, Dias is really one of those uh, places that, um, it's a big base where I used to live at, where they actually travel a lot of the, they house a lot of the space shuttles as they get shipped off to, like, either Houston or to Florida. And so we actually watched, um, we went out of class and watched the Endeavor actually take off on the airplane to take off, and it was like a space shuttle. Shuttle That's race. really cool. Um, also, I've been to both the, the Florida, the Johnson uh, Space Station in Houston, and the Kennedy one in Florida. And then I also watched the space launch for the ISS, the one of the last ones they did in November of 2008. But um, as far as, like, obviously we've gone out to the mountains. I worked in the desert, if anybody knows, and so we obviously took a telescope out there. So easy, and it, with, if you've ever been out there, there's obviously you can see all the stars. We had a fancy telescope, been able to look at, like, you know, Saturn with all the rings, Jupiter you know, Mars and like actual decent detail. Um, as far as like the space operation, yes, but a reason I ask this question because people always say yes or they say stuff, but they don't actually, because there's a difference between going to space 
And then space exploration, like, because basically we put people on the moon and we've done nothing since then. We just sit in low orbit like satellites. And so that's like this thing. So Yeah, no, I mean shoot some people off as far as you can get them and see what they can do. No, but I mean, you'll be surprised how many people actually do not believe in space exploration. It's why NASA's become We got has. problems here. Why do we need to worry about space? I mean, shut, shut up. Shut well, up person guess, who has that view well it's funny because i bring that up too because i had told kate about this like nasa like i don't care what nasa's done for the last like 20 years and she's like we talking about i was like they are literally just looking to fun stuff like biology and see what cells do in space and she's like what are you talking about and then when we went to the space station um in houston and we or the space center or whatever and then we we're walking around and kate's like why are they doing this project this has nothing to do with space and i told you they're not actually doing space stuff anymore they're actually just trying to do stuff to get funding so they're basically saying like well you know we'll help cure cancer or something by like working on the cell in space or something <laughs> it was actually really kind of depressing when yes. you realized like because i think like a lot of the general public and every like people who because like, we have a lot of propaganda around the moon landing like not not that it's fake, but actual like prop like it. I use propaganda loosely, or like it's actual like term as like this something that we prop up all the time, and it's a it's a focal point in our history that we we use it as a stand-in for everything else. And like so, until like I was actually there and like looking at stuff, I was like, oh, there's like a solid halt, like the timeline of space travel and like space projects stops like they have like that timeline on the wall and it just stops and then it starts up again and like it looks completely different um so i had some crushed moments while there yeah it's but one thing I... to talk about it and then another thing when you actually go there and you actually see it and you're like oh now 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 i see what you're talking about yeah um, and it's also like sad too because like talking with those study people like they they legit believe we're going to be on Mars in 2040. And then, like, the more we talk, me and you talk about our, like, going to the space, and I'm just kind of like, oh, no, I don't think we are. <laughs> okay. So now we had our fun stories. So let's kind of get things. So, obviously, this episode. That was the fun story. <laughs> so, this is going to be a deep and dark episode. Um, it's not going to be deep and dark, it's going to be very informational. <laughs> um, but one, what I want to stress in this is obviously we're going to focus on just the Apollo programs and basically Project Apollo in general and not NASA so much. So anything that relates to the Apollo-ness in general. Obviously we have limited amount of time, so I'm going to try to do this quickly and efficiently versus like this could go on for days. And you'll see like there's like 50 million reasons why. But so we'll start off with that. I want to get that out of the way before anybody goes like, well, NASA did this. I want to talk about NASA. Talking about a Project Apollo, which is kind of part of the NASA, whatever. Okay, so Apollo program, a.k.a. Project Apollo, lasted from 1961 with an asterisk to 1972. Also, there's going to be a lot of asterisks. Just hang in there because this stuff is confusing. Um, it was carried out by NASA. It was the third hu uh, human space flight program. Yes, the third. Um, with the two preceding it being... Um, Basically, Project Mercury, which was the first one in 1958-1963, which basically was how he set the first man into space with one-person spacecraft. So only one person rode in these. So that was the one where he went around and then came back down, yep. right? Okay. Yep, that's all it is. And then Project Gemini, which was the second human uh, space flight program from 1961 to 1966, which these were two-person spacecrafts, and this was kind of meant to bridge the gap between mercury and apollo and kind of support space travel to the moon for apollo because obviously 
they kind of needed two programs to kind of simultaneously go from like we're just gonna kind of shoot a guy into space to we're going to the moon and then we you know we're gonna go in low you know earth orbit to versus we're actually traveling so this was like the kind of mid time so those are that breakdown so to get to the actual missions itself it's kind of this confusing but basically Dwight out uh, Eisenhower can kind of conceive the idea and but basically John F Kennedy basically was the approval thing so he said to Congress in 1961 kind of the goal of put a man on the moon by the 1960s and obviously, for those of you unaware, we had the space race with the USSR taking place, which we won't talk about as much, but just know this was an underlying factor to a lot of this stuff. Of like, we need to beat the Russians to space. We really have to thank the Russians for all the stuff we have. Yeah. <laughs> like, all of our technological advancement comes from the Cold War. Yeah. Um, so as far as the numbering system, because obviously people have heard of, like, Apollo 1, 7, you know, 11, 13, 18... The numbering system is all a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Apollo 17 is the last official Apollo mission that was actually uh, done. Seven, 18, 19, and 20 were canceled. Um, there are way more than 17 missions, per se, and there's actually not even 17 like official Apollo missions, which is why, excuse, which is why the start date depends on how you count things. So, as far as like what they are, uh, I'm going to go with they use Saturn rockets and Apollo space parts, and so that's how they kind of started labeling these missions at the beginning. So, like, they start off with unmanned space missions, and they're called basically SA missions, basically more Saturn rockets than Apollo component parts, because the Saturn rocket was how they basically shot you up there, and the Apollo parts was how they lived and came back and everything. Um, these missions were basically, there's five of them, they were unmanned from 1961 to 1964, and they were just testing these Saturn rockets to see, like, can we actually just shoot a rocket into space? not blow up <clears throat> um then you get to the as missions is how they classify them just know that um like this as and stuff it's basically they're all based on the labeling of like what they call the lunar vehicles and that's how they work so basically the apollo parts for a saturn part for you know s and then they get to like 100s these are the as missions 100s because that was they were using the saturn one rocket and there's five of those from 1964, 1965, and this was basically they started putting some of the Apollo components on to the Saturn rocket. And so for those of you asking, what are the Apollo components of this rockets or anything? The Apollo part was made up of three major components. Um, the command and service module, or the CSM, which kind of kind of like the brain and everything and control a lot of stuff. The lunar module, which is kind of like the... Oh, excuse me, like the landing and how they were supposed to land on the moon and kind of the capsule and everything. And then the launch escape system, which is what they tested in case anything went wrong, they could shoot you out. <laughs> because that was one of the things they had to test a lot of these port, uh, pads of like escaping people. Excuse me. Testing a lot of these pods to make sure that people, you know, if you need to bail, you could shoot out of the rocket and everything. And so they were kind of adding all these components to Then So that's when you get to these AS Missions 200 style, which now they're using these Saturn IB rockets. And so that was, there's about three of those, AS-201, AS-203 from 1966-1967. And like I said, this is kind of them putting more rocket tests. So they're going. <clears throat> and then technically for unmanned uh, missions as well, you have Apollo 4, 5, and 6, which I will also get to because you're like, why is 4, 5, and 6 unmanned? What's going on? So manned missions at this time, you have AS-204 and Apollo 1, which are technically the same thing. 
And so, which I'll get to those in a second of why they're considered the same thing. And then Apollo 7 through Apollo 17 from 1968 to 1972 were all manned missions. And so after basically 7, they started sending men up there consistently. So, saying all that to deal with all of the asterisks. AS-204, they considered it kind of post... Um, they named it later to Apollo 1 because it, a malfunction happened in a fire and all the crew died. And so they later renamed it Apollo 1. And so because this happened, they had all these investigations with delayed scheduling. They redid something. They had to rework, recalculate it. Apollo 2 and 3 were technically canceled, and they don't actually exist. <laughs> because um, numbers. Yeah. So a lot of these, like I said, these are based, the way they numbered things was basically, like you said, if you ever worked in any type of science thing, they basically, they named it pretty straightforward, and you kind of change one number to change one parameter. Like yeah, said, cause it, yeah, so essentially, like, it had, at least from my understanding of it, it's like four, like, two and three were derivatives of one, correct? They just never went up. And then you move on to the next piece, <clears throat> which is another derivative of the last experiment, correct? Um, as far as the numbering system? Well, yeah, so, like, it, it denotes that there's something different in what they're doing yes. that time. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, basically, I said AS-101 and AS-201. The only thing difference is that two, the, the number that dates what the Saturn rocket was. Yeah. And then, basically, they did SA because of more Saturn testing than actual Apollo parts in general. And it was actually, if anything, they were just S missions. And same with, like, you know, one, two, three, four at the tail end is the actual number of times they sent up. And then you can change the middle number for stages and whatnot. Um, so, because of this, um, there's all these investigations, everything. So, Apollo 4, <laughs> 5, and 6 are actually all unmanned missions. So, they went from 1 with the crew, 2 and 3 are gone. Then, the 4, 5, and 6 are all basically unmanned. They're testing out everything. And the funny thing is, like, NASA itself dates, kind of, if you go to their website and everything, that basically the first Apollo flight is in 1968, and it starts with Apollo 7. And so that's like the first one they consider. They kind of said it's all thrown together, not really labeled. So, yeah, fun stuff. Any questions over that labeling system that's fun? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I think I mean... it, it, looks, it looks messed up. But, like, once you understand why the labeling system is that way, that's, it, it makes sense. Yeah they, were opinion, anyway. yeah, they were never intended to actually be called Apollo. They just yeah. sound better. Yeah, branding. <laughs> yes. So, um, so basically, we talked about the missions, and now we'll talk about kind of Apollo and media. I'm not even going to talk about the importance of them that until we get to the but why those, because we need to know, like, you know, they did all these missions, and then now they made a ton of movies over it, and then we'll get to but why, though. That's what we do. So, as far as, like, a list of the famous movies of the Apollo program, these are just, like, the ones that I picked out that were actually, like, kind of award-winning, and there's, there's tons. Um, for All Mankind, 1989's documentary, nominated for Best Documentary Feature, Moonshot, Inside the Story of Apollo Program, 1994 documentary. It was a miniseries based on a book by Alan Shepard. It won two prime time or nominated for two prime times in the Peabody. The big one, Apollo 13, the 1995 movie with Tom Hanks, which Tom Hanks will be a recurring theme at this point in this stuff. And Bill Paxson, which won two Oscars. It was nominated and, and 24 other awards for... Won two Oscars for Best Sound and Best Film Editing. And it was actually nominated for 56 other awards. And then that's where we also get the and Houston. That's, and that's what we're watching for our Patreon this month. So. Yes. 
It's also where we get the Houston, we have a problem tagline, which actually never actually happened. The wording's actually different. So you mean it was, was it, was it, was it based around a true story? Yeah, that one for the most part was pretty accurate from what I read. Obviously there were some differences and they condensed some things. Because what people don't understand is how much these are actually team things. And you can't just show like, yeah, the team of 75 people helped me. So they condense like team of 75 into like one fictional character most of the time is what I've seen from a lot of these. So um, Matt, hold on. Yes. Where does Armageddon fit into this? Yeah, that's not on here. <laughs> a, that's a fictional movie, and B, that has nothing Leave to do with the Leaving <laughs> on a jet plane. Uh, Don't okay, know I had to ask. I, I got it out now. I had to ask. <laughs> Continue. That movie is underrated. That movie is a weird thing. Underrated? Because I, I think it's underrated. It's it's a good it's a good watch when you when you turn no, off but how your is it when you turn is off it a like defined a generation. No 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 you don't understand why it's underrated. Which I was going to explain. Actually, it's underrated because as growing up with this movie, I thought this movie was good. And then when I got older and like Rotten Tomatoes existed and everything, I realized people hated this movie and it is rated awful. That's what I'm saying. Really? Like yeah, 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 it is like that's it's like in the 20s I think or 30s. I've lived in like a bubble where Armageddon yeah. has just been. Great yeah, I've always loved life. Armageddon. But I don't think that's a normal thing to think. I don't think. No, you can look it up. It is apparently rated awfully. I did not realize this until I got older. Meteors and science, because oil drillers are more (sighs) equipped than astronauts. Yeah. Um, It's easier to teach (laughs) oil drillers to be astronauts than the other way around. Yeah. Um, So, also Apollo 11, 1996 movie, nominated for a primetime Emmy. Um, from the Earth and to the From the Earth to the Moon, nineteen ninety nine TV series with Tom Hanks, a twelve part HBO series. Um, this is actually amazing. If you've not watched this, I would totally recommend it. Um, it won one Golden Globe and twenty three other awards. It was nominated for thirty three other awards, and it's actually rated as the ninety fifth best TV show by IMDb. It is actually really good. Um, this next one I threw in here for Kate. It's called The Dish. It's a two thousand movie. It was Australia's top-grossing movie in 2000. It won three awards and nominated for 11 others, and apparently sheep play a vital role in this. So that movie sounds really familiar. (laughs) But yeah, that's... Just saying. Apparently sheep are involved, and Australia loved this movie. So we're going to watch this tonight, right? No. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The Magnificent Desolation, Walk on the Move in 2005. It's a documentary. Um, Tom Hanks again. It won one award. I didn't really care for this one, to be honest. So is Tom Hanks just going to be like an honorary astronaut or something? He might as well be. We haven't even finished out Tom Hanks, I don't believe. Uh, Oh, I have finished out Tom Hanks, but he actually does more stuff in here. Um, In the Shadow of the Moon, 2007 documentary. Won six awards and nominated for 13 others. Um, When We Left Earth, NASA Missions, 2008 documentary. This is actually one of my favorite ones. I think it's really good. Moon Machines, which is a 2008 documentary as well. It was this one on the Science Channel. It's also another one of my favorite ones. That was pretty good. And then we kind of get to First Man from last year, 2018. Won one Oscar and 23 awards for visual effects. And it was actually nominated for 157 other awards. Holy crap. Yeah. And then coming to why kind of we're celebrating this one, obviously for the 50th year, but Apollo 11, which is kind of... Depending on when this comes out and where you live, will be released at this point, which is another documentary following the Apollo missions. And it's already won one award, one nomination from the Sundance, and it actually has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomato through seventy-four reviews, an eight point seven IMDb. Yeah, an eight point seven IMDb and a ninety-one on Metacritic. And those are just like the 
famous ones. Yeah. Like, so the cool thing is, too, is we're going to be covering South by. Actually, we're in the process of covering South by when you're listening to this. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to get some more interview coverage for you about that doc. Um, so stay tuned and check the website for stuff because that's one of the movies at South by. Yes. Um, so anybody have any questions on the media? Have you guys seen any of those, I guess? So I watched um, Moonshot with my dad. I watched Apollo 13 with my dad. I watched Apollo 11 with my dad. Um, and I feel like I saw parts of From the Earth to the Moon, but I don't remember a lot of it. And then that's pretty much the only ones that I've seen. Um, and Armageddon. Um, I have seen, I, I'm sure I've seen some of these documentaries, like when I was like a kid growing up, right? Like on, you know, Discovery Channel or like National Geographic or blah, 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 blah. But I don't remember knowing the names. I know I've watched documentaries about the Apollo 11 specifically, but I don't know like which one of these is that one. I don't think I've watched it except for Tom Hanks. Um, but I will be watching Apollo 11 for Patreon. So we have that. And I've seen Armageddon like more times than I probably should have. Yeah. Um, Apollo 13 is the biggest one, which obviously we'll be watching. Um, I personally, I will see him and watch it. I'm personally not a big fan of that movie, to be honest. But we'll get Shocked. There. I am we'll get, shocked we'll get that there. you're not a fan. Yeah. Um, so, we talked about all these missions. We talked about this project. And then we kind of talked about all these movies that are made on just the project. So, now to get to the but why those of, like, why. So, the importance of these actual Apollo missions and what they did. Apollo 7 was the first successful man-launched mission from the Apollo program. And it was actually the first live broadcast of man mission where we shot somebody into space and people watched it. <laughs> Fake. Yeah. Uh, Apollo 8 was the first man mission to the moon. They basically, they orbited it and they came back. It was also the first time we got images. We could actually see the Earth and like the moon from like space type stuff with man stuff. Um, Apollo 11 is the first moon landing, which is why everybody celebrates it. It's the first human to ever walk on the moon. And then that's where we get the Neil Armstrong, that's one giant step for man, one giant leap for mankind, which apparently... One small step for man. Yeah. Whatever. You said one giant step oh. for man. Oh, whatever. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Apparently he butchered that line like I did, and so that's how we are here. <laughs> or apparently he said it correctly, but transmission butchered it. I don't know. Oh, what do you mean? He's supposed to say one step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Oh, so it was... <laughs> Whatever. Neil Armstrong made that inclusive to it being everybody's achievement and I know. not just his. <laughs> I know. That was great. Um, so, yeah. And then Apollo 13, based on the movie, was a famous, which is sadly famous for the malfunction on the way to the moon, in which it was actually being live broadcast, <laughs> broadcasted that it cut off and malfunctioned and people all might die on national TV. Um... But basically, it was being live broadcast, so they cut it off for saving power, and uh, then they had basically kind of used the moon's gravitational pull to kind of slingshot it back around, and used the lunar module as like a lifeboat. And so it, there was a lot of malfunctions. I'm not going into all the technical de- details, but that's pretty much one of the famous ones because people nearly died, and they didn't. Yeah, my dad was like really scared. Yeah, <laughs> and then obviously because we went to the moon, humans left Earth's orbit and went to the moon. 
and technically, as I said before, with the JFK thing of like kind of the goal, they actually completed it for the end of the 1960s. So that's why these are important, and you should all know actually these. Actually, accomplished a goal. Yes. Um. So what else did it, like this Apollo mission do besides obviously doing all of these first for like mankind, humankind? Um, technology. The Apollo program is basically has been called the greatest technological achievement in human history because obviously it hadn't been reproduced and redone. Um, it stimulated so many areas of technology. So basically, NASA actually has a NASA spinoff technology database, and as of 2016, there's about 2,000 products in this. And obviously, not all of these are from Apollo, but it just kind of stands to where like going to space means a yeah. lot of stuff. And then there's been over, and that's just product because there's actually over seven thousand technologies from NASA overall that's been developed. And that so, makes like, sense. yeah. And so you're kind of wondering what came from Apollo. Some of the technologies that specifically came from Apollo program: CAT scanners, um, computer microchips. Sixty percent of the integrated circuits at a time were part of the uh, that the U.S. like made were part yeah. of the Apollo program. Um, insulation, fire suits for firefighters, freeze-dried fruit. Food, joysticks, you wouldn't be playing your Xbox or your PC without this. Uh, water purifiers, solar panels, heat heart monitors, satellite television, and probably one that people don't think about, but they use daily cordless devices. I saw the Star Trek. I was going to say, first of all, Matt, all this <laughs> stuff was in Star Trek before we went to the movie. So Star Trek did it, is, is, what, is what I'm getting at here. Apollo didn't do any of this. Yeah. Star Trek had it. Yeah. Um... But yeah, all these are literally just from the Apollo program themselves of what made. Because obviously, if you know, you had to do a lot of stuff. Um, and so from technology... Going to space isn't easy? Yeah, it's not. Um, so from the third book... It's actually kind of sad to think about it, though. Because it's like, we got all these things from space travel, but like... And it could totally just be an exaggerated statistic that people say to be hyperbolic, but like the whole like... We went to, well, it's probably true. We went to the moon with less tech than we have in our handheld devices, and yet. No, I mean, it's literally one of these, like, it's important because people ask, like, why push ourselves to go to space separation, to go to farther stuff, because kind of the benefit of basically producing all this technology to, like, you know, go to the moon and everything has some effects from actual everyday life. Like, you wouldn't have joysticks. You wouldn't have a cordless device. <laughs> and people take that we for We wouldn't granted. have CAT scans. Yes. That's really important. You wouldn't have anything we're talking about because microchips came in integra- from integrated circuits and integrated circuit technology was developed on, from this. I don't know. Kind of satellite TV? Do we really need that one? Well, probably not, but... <laughs> <laughs> Those are just some of the major ones. Like I said, there's a lot of more you can go through and find. I mean, I think even just lifting heavy machinery in the way they, like, built stadiums and tall stuff was actually came from the Apollo because these rockets and everything weren't tiny. But, you know, so, like, just stuff like that you wouldn't even think about that we use every day. So architecture and everything. Um, so probably one of the main things, but why those is I kind of combine the last two because they kind of go little hand-in-hand, hand, per se, it would be culture and science. And so we kind of started off this thing saying, you know, JFK, like, challenged the nation to put a man on the moon. And kind of everybody kind of unified in doing this. Um, basically, it was a huge ordeal. They had events for launchings. Pa- parents brought their kids. These were, like, family affairs to watch these missions go up. Okay, we, you know, 
Um, obviously, the space race helped and wanted everybody like cheering on. We're going to beat the Russians to space and everything. But, yeah, that's like, what I was going to say. I was like, the large underlying thing about right. this was there was like essentially like it was it was a symbol of American superiority mm-hmm. over the only other superpower in the world. Yes. So, like, of course, it, it was, like, probably one of the last times that the country was, like, and it, I say this acknowledging that there was, like, massive issues in the country at the time because it was the 60s. Don't at me. I, I understand that. But, like, when you actually look at, like, the country so far as, like, getting together and banding together in, like, a science capacity... Like, we had all of our resources put into it, but it was because we couldn't let the Russians do it first. Right. Um, and it's kind of like I said with these events and everything, they broadcasted these missions on television. Um, like I said, people listen to this. People watch this stuff. Um, Apollo, like I said earlier, Apollo 8 gave everyone the first images of the Earth and from the moon and whatnot. What we looked at is estimated probably obviously depending on your calculation of population and stuff everything like that about 20 percent of the world's population watched and listened to the apollo 11 moonwalk it's about like 600 million or so <laughs> and then i mean there's not that many people married. um and then an estimated about 25 of the percent of the world's population not just the u.s but like the world itself Watch and kind of listen to a live or a delayed broadcast of astronauts apparently reading the Bible on Christmas Eve, the creation story. So basically people literally, you know, so like a ton of people just turned out to watch somebody read a book in space. And they thought it was a fascinating. <laughs> I am not going to lie. I may have watched the um, the Canadian astronaut, Chris Chris Hatfield. Uh, but not sure. There's, you know no. how many astronauts there are? No, like the really famous Canadian astronaut that has like been going to space right now. I like how you say this, and yet you don't know the name. Chris Hat. I, I, I'm pretty it, sure it's Chris Hatfield. Hold on. Hold on. Yes, Chris Hatfield. Okay, I was correct. I did know the name. <laughs> but we had that whole Kelly incident on the Mars episode. I just wanted to make sure. It's also but one yeah. of those I didn't know he was Canadian. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Chris Hatfield's Canadian. Um, well, obviously, you just told me. Yeah. Um, so what I was going to say was, like, when you talk about, like, tuning into astronauts to read a book, I mean, obvious it's a much smaller scale, or is it? But, like, um, there was a video that went live of Chris Hadfield singing um, the David Bowie song yep. um, in space. And I lost my crap, and I, like, still rewatch that video because it's really cool because he's singing it in space. Like, he's singing Major Tom in space, and it, it's it's crazy. Like, it's cool to, like, see something like that. So, I mean, granted, we're at a different, like, it's a it, it's different in that that's, it's, like, not the first time we've seen something from space, but, like, I could only imagine, like, that amplified at that time. Like, I totally buy mundane entertainment being excellent entertainment because it is in space pretty much and so much as we say things are broadcast and whatnot it wasn't like we're getting these prime video stuff that we get either some of them were like delayed we might even just get like messaging it might just be a reporter just listening to like a radio feed and just kind of talking on camera sometimes depending on what was going on except these weren't just like high class you know we have satellites and it's actually following close-ups you know we can see people waving out the window or something 
it was literally just people sitting in a park, watched a rocket went off, and then just kind of watched it, and then people talked about it, and they sat there and watched it some more, <laughs> and they loved it. <laughs> um, so, like I said, with kind of cultural impact, it kind of it grew all this interest and investment in natural sciences along the way. We talked about some of the technology, which we get back to, but also natural sciences. They collect, like they collected moon samples, as Adrian mentioned. We have moon rocks. Um, studying things, you know, you basically people are getting the opportunity to study things from a foreign world that we've never been to. Um, like the possibility of life. Back then, they thought life might have been common. It wasn't until, like, they started flying by with some of the earlier projects that they realized, oh, life's not as common as one thought. General biology, chemistry, geology. Um, <clears throat> as we, we, we did the Mars episode, as we talked about one for our Patreon, people know how physics works in the universe. They kind of know some of the you know, maybe even the chemistry of these, uh, what's going on, you know, and what some of this uh, geology, like they're, you know, the what the planet's made of, but people don't know how biology works compared to Earth. Yeah, so, I mean, and I'll, I'll remove my stuff from the beginning and just kind of put it in here. So when I was in grad school, my first year of grad school, um, one of my advisors was actually, um, he was a part of SETI, um, so the Organization for the Search for Extraterrestrial Life, or Intelligence, it's not life, and in, in, and extra extraterrestrial intelligence um and he was writing a book on um essentially it was like the anthropology of like extraterrestrial life like one how we would respond and like what it would look like and so i did all the research for that um but the coolest part about it was I actually got to go to a closed door study conference and listen to people talk about this and it's insane because one i was the dumbest person in the room which was really cool because like i got to talk to jill tarter which if you ever seen contact which is based on the carl sagan book contact um the main character was written about her like was based on her um which is really cool but like when you hear them talk about like um there was a a section on commuting communicating um and it was all about using physics and mathematics and those things to communicate across but then there was this larger section that was just about theorizing the types of different biological life that could happen out there and it was and it was nothing but like theories because it, it was really cool to see all these minds like kind of refuse the idea that one life only happens on our planet and two life had to happen our way um so yeah it, it was i will never be in a room that smart again sorry guys um, but like just hearing them talk about like the both talk about mathematics as a language and physics as a language um, to going on to theorize about like what types you would see uh, what types of life and like what biology could be out there. Um, it was it was it was crazy. I mean, and, and not crazy. It was crazy in a good way. Like it was stuff that I had never really thought about. Um, and I got to transcribe all the notes, like transcribe the entire conference. I have those notes somewhere still, but it was, yeah. There's actually the, basically that whole thing is an entire field of study called exobotany. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, it, it's a lot of work. Thought <laughs> <laughs> about four. Um, it takes a lot of, like you said, physics and kind of how it relates to biology along with biology and how it relates to itself. Yeah. Cause I <laughs> think there was, there was a, botanist there i think but he was just kind of like i want to talk about this but we got to talk about microbes because yep. right now that is the only thing we understand and like of course they brought up antarctica and stuff like that but 
he his part was just saying that he he was thinking that ultimately like in order for any sort of plant life to develop it would have to develop in a different way given the conditions on the planets and so he had like cool pictures that he had mocked up of what he thought would happen on with a plant that like fed like like use something else so yeah it was it was really interesting that should have been my space story <laughs> <laughs> Adrian, I was just, oh, no, I mean, I was just letting her go because I didn't want her to think I didn't know what a biome was again. Yes. After her, uh, <laughs> sorry guys, comment. Yes. What is physics? <laughs> um. <laughs> no, that's super cool, Kate. Obviously, super super cool. So we have also like kind of this weird thing, the blue marble. Basically, it's a picture of the Earth that you see. It's one of the very what's very common one. You've seen it everywhere. It uh, basically kind of actually sparked environmentalism. Because it kind of showed kind of how special our planet was. Because you basically have the earth, you have all the colors and everything. And then you have this vast blackness or emptiness of space. And it's just isolation of, like, there's nothing there. And if, like, we destroy, you know, basically the earth, there's, there's, there's nothing there outside. It's just empty. Yeah, I mean, because is it, isn't it Carl Sagan who has the small blue dot quote? I believe so. There's yeah. a lot of people with blue Which, dot quotes. <laughs> well, no, but he yeah. was, like, one of the first people to make that right. quote, like, in the 70s, where he was essentially saying, and he, his was from a different perspective, but essentially saying, like, to think that we're unique and shouldn't take care of ourselves is a really fleeting idea and a, and a really, like, short-minded idea when you look at us in the perspective of everything else. We're this small blue dot. Yeah. Um, I'm getting sad. Why am I getting sad? <laughs> oh, it gets better. Um, so we talked it about gets kind of, better. Does it which, which in Matt terms means it doesn't. <laughs> um, so can we talk about the natural sciences, but also the simulation of like these many areas of technology, what people may not realize in general is just science. Yeah. People always, you know, we talk, when people say science, they think immediately natural science, they think biology and life, which is great, but... Like, you know, engineering is technically a science. Mathematics is a science. Chemistry is a science. Geology is a science. Even just like I said, doing research and testing things is just a form of doing science. You're doing something. Um, and kind of like we talk about, like, people's interests and how they cultivate it, you know, when people are growing, this is where it gets really sad. Um, at Apollo's peak, the Apollo program employed 400,000 people. And required support for over 20,000 industrial firms and universities. And to let all this sink in, as of 2018, NASA employs 17,337 people. So, one, that's depressing. Two, I do also think a lot of that has to do with you no longer need a team of 20 women to man your computers. Correct. <laughs> correct. That is also correct. But it also doesn't adjust for a drop that huge. Right. Like, that that adjusts for a small drop, not a drop that large. Right. Which is kind of what I was going to say the next point of, basically, we had 400,000 plus over 20,000, like, mine doing engineering, robotic, chemistry, biology, electronics, actual rocket science, physiology geology and then kind of what you said for mathematics oh so much mathematics yeah and lots and lots of mathematics <laughs> which i like but like we may not have the development of all these teams because they're not needed but the point of the matter is it's still these people like you had that many smart people who did like yeah. like just learned and did so much 
guess just like I said, they invent and stimulate their brain so much. Because it's not even just that, too, because, right, because, like, if you look at, like, the partnerships and the internships that were built, like, the 20,000 that were built outside of NASA proper, so, like, those are people that I'm assuming are people who are pushing their fields. Mm -hmm. And so that's 20,000 people. Like, that makes up for more than just the NASA scientists. Correct. And, like, that type of progression makes up more, too. I do want to take, like... A moment to like just say like it's also one of those sad things because I, I i do want to see like a gender breakdown because i know um like especially like when um so along like in the 60s and early 70s like mathematics was actually seen as like a woman's job because it was seen as secretarial work um and so like they staffed a lot of those things so i'd be interesting to see like how the drop happens like does it actually push a lot of that out too and like, because it ultimately, it, it, I would assume that like this massive drop in employability in these things means that like the number of people studying it gets smaller, and then like what pockets are affected is something I'd be interested in knowing. Right. Obviously, I do not have the demographic breakdown to four hundred thousand yeah. people. Well, I, I know, <laughs> but I feel like they're out there, and I would be really interested to to see that because to your point, when you lose something that funds ingenuity and intelligence and the search for that that much you lose a large section of the population and when you lose jobs that were deemed specifically for you know when when they are gendered like that and they get pushed out then it's like okay so now like if nasha had just continued on that trajectory the field of stem probably wouldn't need all of like it probably wouldn't have a lot of the problems that it has now with pushing one towards more people in it overall or two pushing from more for more women in it overall if we had actually stayed on that trajectory of pushing forward and having this large of a talent pool right yeah no it's definitely just sad to think about it and then like I said, just so many people doing so many different fields of just like you said, in you, you know, just being creative and inventing things and pushing every field to the max that we just don't see anymore. Now we have four hundred thousand freaking comic book writers or something that like do nothing. But- I mean, like, and, and like, and honestly, <laughs> and I say this as somebody with a liberal arts degree. Me and my advisor, when we were in that room, like he he's a smart man, but like there were people actually building like different types of radio waves to send out and ping across space and i was like we're cool but we're not like that cool we don't come into this equation until life is found <laughs> that's where we come in but they're the actual people finding the light or uh, the intelligence well, that's another thing we talk about because much as we talk about the back end and like I said, all the just mathematics and cal- basically human calculators and you know rocket scientists, we're not even talking about the actual astronauts. Which, once again, Patreon episode of like an astronaut is like some of the brightest people. And why I've always found the profession like fascinating. One, you get travel space, but two, like you can't just be like oh, I'm just gonna be an engineer. No, you need to be an engineer. You need to be a mathematician. You, you need to be a to linguist. Be, yeah, you gotta be a linguist. You gotta know biology. You better be a chemist. Like you're, you're like basically an expert in like three fields, <laughs> not just one. You know three f- fields, and then it's like, oh, well, we're gonna we only have six people. And we need to cover eighteen fields, so we have we're just gonna get six of the smartest people to cover all these fields. Yeah. And at this point, you know, there's three people, and so basically up there you have basically you and two other people to where 
If something malfunctioned, you better be able to fix it. You have level of supplies, fix it. If somebody gets hurt, you have to fix it. If you have a fish, any type of number one things, you have to be able to fix it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I know that that was one of the reasons why some of the first, I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of the first astronauts came directly from the like the high levels of the Air Force. Yes. Because they had to keep cool heads and know how yep. to like deal with those things and not be afraid of dying is another thing. Yeah. But like they had like those are the types of char- characteristics that came from that level of pilotry. Yeah, they did test pilots for the most part. Yeah. The people that are like, you're probably going to die doing this. Let's see if okay. you can do it. <laughs> and they loved it. No, I mean, so. and it's amazing. Like, and that's also why the current state of the the program is sad because it's like people want to want to give their lives for this type of exploration which is one of those things like and it's weird right so like when we look at apollo and we look at all the media that we have on apollo and how much the u.s relives that like whether it's in ryan gosling and first man or a documentary celebrating the 50th anniversary ultimately it's weird to see that type of i guess not weird but like we have like this nostalgia of when our political will to go to space or explore space outweighed the costs um so like political will and i talk about on our mars episode you should really go get our patreon um political will is a phrase used to describe when countries or organizing bodies make decisions the cost has to outweigh or the benefit has to outweigh the cost and you have to have your public believe that the benefit outweighs the cost. Um, and so, like, just looking at how media fits in, I'm just kind of like, damn. It would be cool if we had sent somebody to Mars and had an actual, like, Mars movie to talk about and not just a whole bunch of Tom Hanks. Yeah. But no, like, because we kind of bring up, people want to learn and research and explore and just kind of push... They want to take risks. They want to do challenges. They want to push the limits of basically not only just technology in general, but everything. Like, because yeah. people don't realize how much space does on the human body. And so they were pushing the human body to the limits. They were pushing, uh, like I said, technology to the limits. They were pushing pretty much anything you can think of to the limits. Yeah. And everything they did was a first. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, it's great to think about and remember but then it's also just kind of like I feel like we're just constantly living in this memory of Apollo and not really doing anything else. Yeah, so as much as I enjoy this and I talk about this stuff, it's why I personally and I've seen obviously some more a lot more of the documentaries and I really do not like the films for the most part is because of that. Like it's just nostalgia stuff of like I didn't get that and we aren't doing anything close to that. Like it's just like cool, we stepped stuck in the ten you know, the ten year the decade. Awesome. It's now been, you know, coming up 50 years. Do something more. And I think NASA's had their budget slashed every time it's come up for budget approval. Like yeah, uh, well, so apparently in 2019 they got their highest budget in a decade. Oh, well, there we go. But it's, it, I mean, it, in today's Isn't standard, it, like, sectioned off money, though? Like, they can only use parts of it for certain things? I'm not sure exactly how they do the budget anymore. All I know is last time I knew... At this point, I think NASA was getting like three to five percent of the actual national budget per se, and now we get like 0.3 percent to NASA of the national budget. That's not depressing. What um, I mean, so all, like all this to say, like, what what are your thoughts on just like can we people don't, people own space? What, what are space laws like? 
Like why, like, why can Elon Musk just shoot shit into space? Should um, we just privatize space stuff and just, like, let people shoot their own astronauts into space? So can we do actually, that? There is actually a UN governing body that has to do with, um, like, with, with space. It sounds weird, but essentially, like, when in, like, the 70s, 80s, it ended up getting put together because we seemed... Uh, it was after the wow, the, the wow signal, after we got that, and it looked like we may get actual contact with life. Um, there there are it's kind of defunct now but it also kind of exists like there was a lot of talk of sectioning off space and making it like UN territory like everybody interacts like almost like a federation type thing um, but I don't know the state of it now because I did this research in like 2015 um, and a lot has changed in the world um, but so far as I know so long as nothing is crossing an international boundary, you can send it up. Yes. So, like, when it – you can send it up, and then once it goes out, it's fine. But you also have to have cooperate – especially if it's manned, you have to have cooperation with the other countries out there. Um, but ultimately, like, you can shoot something up within your own airspace because essentially, like, we control airspace. If that makes sense. Yeah, if, if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> so, so should we, like, as a society, be like, fun, like privately funding these people who do want to actually do go into space, or so, like, what's what's the what's the fix here, other so, than not having idiots run? I mean, budgets? that's the real fix because you don't real want fix. anything privatized to the point where people get locked out. But... So yeah, that that's the thing. So there is a big uh, kind of there's that giant con- not very controversy, but decision of like where is space heading and you are seeing a lot of these private uh, companies do it like spacex and everything else but it's one of those i think people in general wouldn't mind if we, you know like why don't we have nasa doing it well at this point nasa doesn't have the money and they obviously and, and they're not having the resources to do that and so and these other people are like you know i'm worth like you know five billion dollars why not try to build this out and make money doing this and so I can, you know, I want to go to space. Obviously, our government doesn't really care whether the people of NASA. And obviously, NASA's changed. But for a long time, people sat complacent on NASA. Like, yeah, we went to the moon in 1970. I know it's 1985, but we already did that. Let's just do some low-orbit stuff. Send some th- Like, people of NASA really sat around on their hands and just lived off of the, of the Apollo missions forever. And they didn't do much. And people grew tired of it. And so people are like, I got money. Let's, let's, let's actually go to Mars. Let's go to the space exploration to do it and there is a fear that people will get locked out of doing it but unless they're going to actually you know fund and make people you know care from the standpoint of like nasa where it's you know publicly and government thing there's not a lot we can do per se it's either we get done and have to get done privately because nobody cares on the other side or we finally open up and give it actual resources yeah. And I we think, can like, talk all we want, but if you have no resources, you are limited no matter yeah. what. Well, I was going to say, to Matt's point, like the, the, I don't like the idea of privatization, but it, it's probably going to be the only vehicle that we have to get there. And a lot of it has to do with like not just like what Matt said with funding, but like with so much crap going on, humans can't get out of their anthropocentric view of like it is just us and this is our world and we do stuff with this they don't have like we because everything is so tumultuous like people don't have like this far-sighted goals of doing more and doing more outside 
And so, like, to build up the political will within the populace to get them to, like, actually start funding. And it, it, like, as much as it is, like, stupid people in Congress who don't understand science, it's also a lot of, like, the political will of the people not willing to back these things because there are ten other things we can be doing. So, like, as much as it's Congress, it also has to do with people. I mean, like, you've seen it on Twitter, like, people will rant about something when like a space thing is being done and it's like but space is actually really important and if we want to survive it's actually really vital so one to kind of go on that we have like she said political will and thing kind of the reason the space program like kind of died out was that apollo 13 mission that was so famous people realized like oh people are going to die people could die and they're like oh we can't afford to like have our heroes die and so they're like, we don't want to take this risk anymore because what people don't realize, this stuff is dangerous. People do die, and people will die. There's but didn't, like, didn't they? Some, something like just recently happened, right? Like, didn't SpaceX like just yep. launch people like for like for the first time? Like, like, so, like the first oh, time we've privately launched somebody into space. Like they docked with the International Space Station. I be- yes, that's on Google. Song. Yeah, because it happened. Because the funny thing is, it happened right yeah, after. Yeah, like. Fucking two days ago. No, because they... we had just finished Mars, the last actual yeah. episode, and then I got on Twitter before I went to fell asleep, and it just happened. Like yeah. thirty. Yeah, minutes. first ever privately built and launched spacecraft capable yeah. of carrying human crew. So, sounds working. We're, we're, we're shooting stuff in the space with with rich people money. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, unless like I said, the people want to do this. Like uh, the main incident I always think about when we sent the car to space and SpaceX was driving around, people were complaining that. Well, Star Wars hired these directors, and my world's going to end. And I'm like, we just launched a vehicle yeah. into space, and people are driving around, and we just don't care. Yeah, and that was one of the things, too, because, like, I, like, you can care about multiple things at one time. Like, you can care about that, but you can also care about space. But the problem is, is that a lot, like, a lot of the way people look at things is just how they immediately affect them. And to them, space doesn't immediately affect them, so there's no point. And then when you put in the loss of life and when you realize that somebody could die, especially people that we've built into like mammoth or like mountains within our society, like astronauts, then it, it, it's hard to build up any sort of will to get any sort of law passed. So like I, I think privatization is what's going to happen because you'll have money and you won't have like they're not under that type. They're not under the strict regulation of nasa because like the only stuff that nasa can send up it has to be approved yeah like so basically the one thing i talk about there's a i believe it was the rover that just got on mars i believe that project that went well or might be another project but i believe it's the one that just landed this past year um they went when they went decided this mission and they're looking at the budget there were two things that came on board and one was to go to titan and use an underwater or underwater quote unquote water under methane <laughs> um kind of explorer thing to send it to titan to see if there was life on this like basically we methane um moon and basically it was that or go to mars and that was like they had to choose and they went to the mars one which was sad because i really titan's fascinating and stuff but like that's all they get like they get like basically one or the other and depending on how you do that's like the way they set everything out where privatization you can do pretty much what you want because it's your company and if i want to spend all my money and infrastructure and resources going to mars i can do that well, what's the what's the connection? So I'm looking at like space s SpaceX stuff, which is probably what I'm gonna be doing for like the rest of my night. Um, a lot of this stuff is 
some of these contracts are paired with NASA. So like, what's the connection there? Is the privatization like helping this process along? Where like NASA's like, hey, we want to go do this thing, but the government doesn't give us enough money. So yep. can you go do this mission yeah. thing? Yep, yep, kind yep, of thing? That's that literally how yep. that's literally how it works. NASA's like, please oh, help okay. us. Bring blood dry. Go. All right. So I mean, yeah, they do work oh, in tandem, okay. and it is like, but it's, it's working still... so far. I mean, they just sent this, this privatization just sent up man-made crew into space. Yeah, and then, yeah. like, like that's huge. That it does too is like you're actually creating a sector of jobs, and if you have a sector to go into, then people. More yeah, people that will that was going to be my next point. Business, more people will start yeah. being rocket scientists, and more of that will start getting done. And so these fields that are seen as non-lucrative because it's such a highly competitive job market, you end up in something that becomes greater um yeah that, that, that's what i was gonna say because like I, I know we were talking about like losing all the jobs like well if private sectors open up there's yeah. j- there's jobs there yeah no i mean like i said it's a lot of it's just doing resources and then people what they're doing with the budget type stuff and i don't know it just it's like because like i said and we like because people yeah from the political wheel of things like you know we pay people who act in movies millions of dollars. Yep. Mm. And it's like, people care about a movie star. Like, I don't care. But we they make more money than, like, astronauts. I, ca- I care about Buzz Aldrin punching people in the face. That's always yeah. great. That is always great. <laughs> um, but no, I it, will link that in the show notes. But that is, like, basically... Deservedly so. But it's what people focus on and kind of what the public wants. They're like, we'll yeah. pay, you know, some person, you know, who dribbles a ball or, you know, throws a pass, you know, hundred million dollars, but we're gonna pay our astronauts maybe seventy five thousand. And yeah, like to put it in perspective, people at NASA don't make great money. They They're make good, good money, money, but they don't make money considering. Money, but it's not money that they would get in the private sector or if they were yeah. doing. Well, that's what I'm um, saying. It's just focus. Like yeah. I would bankrupt Hollywood to fund NASA. I wouldn't care. Like those oh, people yeah. actually provide nothing of a service to society. You know, I mean, people say they scapegoat their kids all the time about like they saw a movie. No, like actual doing stuff works and it's like we pay people worried about some person who made a hundred million dollars last year and what they did after not went and got five degrees has four fields I mean, yeah i mean as, as much as i love as much as i love the matt damon movie um i would much rather have someone reading me a book actually from mars <laughs> than that entire movie yeah, easy yeah. yeah no like i just like i said i don't prefer the movies and that's one of the reasons why these Pablo stuff they're great and i enjoy some of the documentary especially like the technology and what we got and you know and the innovation but it's the movies obviously they they kind of have to make it like a movie and spruce it up a little bit to make it yeah. good and entertaining which people don't think realize and also like today's day too of like like some of the major complaints about movies and other shows we talk about is science is technically boring <laughs> I've been there when Matt's taken uh, readings on his plants. It was extremely boring and hot outside. Yeah. And this other part of, like, just taking risks of challenges of you're going to fail. Yeah. And you're going to fail a lot more than you're actually going to succeed. And people these days don't like to fail at all. And so we do play a very safe thing, which is kind of the decline of the Sapal program too, of when it came up, because after Kennedy, you know, Johnson was gone, we had basically Nixon. Of we had two proposals again that came, and it was one to let's go to Mars, or let's just make a space shuttle and fly around the Earth. And he said, eh, I don't really care about space. We'll just fly around the Earth, and that's what we've done for the last like fifty years. Yeah, which is crazy, kind of in the cultural aspect, which is when we watch, and if you ever watch anything or show documentaries about a lot of this stuff, these people here 
like we talk about it like oh my gosh the people that lived in this area and were doing this they actually are sad because the moon was just a test they wanted to go to mars yeah like they're just sad like mars was their end game to go to mars not the moon the moon was just like can we do this oh yeah let's just get there this is our trial run practice runs we're going to mars yeah which kind of i guess sort of i guess i'll go over these fun facts and then we get in the thing of like could we talk about all the money and how it relates to stuff apollo was it was kind of it was expensive to extent for the time period but if not expensive now so all the the paul all these apollo missions and the budget for the time they spent 24 billion dollars <laughs> for all of them Yes, about between 20 to 24 billion, depending. I think it, they thought it was 20 and then they itemized. So I think it's like 23.9 to $24 billion, which I believe in this day and age is about $110 billion total. Um, it was the, at the time the largest commitment to the amount of like resources to something outside of like war, like during a time of peace. <laughs> was it really a time of peace though? Well, technically there was like no like fighting per se. It wasn't like we had to go manufacture a bunch of guns and just start yeah, like no, running, no, no, run, that, that's running fair. over. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. But like this, like this was funded purely out of we need this technology because we will kill the Russians if we need to. Correct. <laughs> but we didn't actually attack anybody. I know. I'm just saying. I know. Like, I'm I not really saying. like that statement because it like there was definitely. A well, the reason the statement's put in there and it quoted that because. If you start looking at how much resources would dedicate it during times of like actual war, then it yeah that th- that's fair like th- yeah like that is fair. But I also think that like you like there also has to be that understanding that the reason that much was agreed to get spent on during a time of peace was because Russians. Yes, for the possibility, correct. Um, we talked about this stuff. The, the Saturn and the Machinery Stadium, the Saturn V rockets was actually taller than the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> And basically, because it was built by a man who wanted to go to Mars, and he was told he had to go to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing's huge. Uh, overall, this be soul crushing to you. Well, we kind of we know about him. Basically, he was a uh, was it he was a Russian? Was it Russian? I believe he was that uh, he was German. Was it German? Might have been German. Yeah. Hey, Winheimer van Bonn or von Braun. Yeah, Braun. He, was, he was German, German. and then after right. the war, he got Came asylum it, to yeah. come to the United States and was cleared of everything. Yeah, and basically headed to NASA, built all. He's basically the person designed for all these Saturn rockets, everything. He wanted to go to the moon. Basically, Nixon made a decision of like we're just going to fly around the Earth. He actually quit NASA and then died of cancer a few years later. He basically his body quit. We're not going to Mars. Um, overall, twelve astronauts have walked on the moon, and that was all within a forty-one month span, and none have since. <laughs> So in 41 months, we had 12 people walk on the moon, and we haven't done anything. Um, as you mentioned kind of earlier, a flip phone actually has more processing power than all the Apollo computers. Basically, by the 1990s, essentially all the technology and simple products surpassed the processing power of the Apollo computers. Yeah. Um, the Apollo 11 uh, original tapes are missing to this day. And basically, due to budget cuts and then the lack of actual magnetic tapes, NASA just started reusing all their tapes. So in the 70s and 80s, they reused over 200,000 tapes for data. And apparently it's believed they taped over. Because it was a conspiracy, Matt. Yes. Um, NASA did spend three years trying to find them. They actually got some of the other footage from it, not necessarily the original tape, but like other level. And they spent $230,000 trying to digitally restore and make it look all nice. <laughs> um, but yes, this is where we get conspiracy theories because the Apollo 11 original tapes are gone. Which, so. like, the explanation is really simple. Like, 
they were poor and wanted to send people to space, so they yeah. just reused tapes instead of <laughs> spending more money on tapes. We always find it's a shortage of something, whether it be ink, printers, or magnetic tapes. That's a deep, that's a deep recall. I don't think we've talked about that in a long time. That was bravo. Bravo, Matthew. Bravo. But yeah, to kind of go to put in perspective, like you said, they spent, NASA's budget this year was, you know, $21 billion. You know, I think when they calculated it, like when you like kind of factor it down and like make it now, I think it's almost like the budget's like, I think it's, it's half of what they spent on during some of the peak years. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So the peak years of also of NASA, um, the Apollo program made up 70% of NASA's overall budget in 1967 when it peaked. But for most, they had a good few years where it was making up almost 60, 65, 67, and then peaked at 70% of NASA's overall budget. So yeah. much reason. So. Yeah, those are basically some fun Apollo facts. Um, we talked about, like I said, um, it's important from what we did. It obviously had an, you know, it has underlining like war terms because obviously we got guiding systems and GPS and everything. So out of this, how <laughs> do you think we figured it out? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was. People talk about it. Like I said, they put they, they make movies every single year over this, and there's a reason they do it because it was a great time. But if you ever want to like see how people. I don't necessarily really feel or whatnot, but, like, just go listen to people who were around there in that time or just, like, growing up watching it. And then, especially, like, the physicists and people who work at NASA before, just, like, how, like, sad and betrayed they feel that we just stopped all of a sudden. So, um, that's all I have. I don't know if anybody has anything else. Well, I mean, like, to that point, like, there were people, and I already said it, like, there were people that said who were like, we're going to be on Mars in, in 2040. I so... I've... I fully believe it. And then you had, like, the guy's been on Star Talk a few times, but I don't remember his, his name. He has a really weird voice. But uh, he was talking about how he watched everything happen as a kid, and now he just has no hope of anything happening anymore. And it was depressing. And then he smiled and said, but this is my field. <laughs> like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, science can only go as far as we let it. And so, like, I guess, like, doing, like, final thoughts and stuff, like, I, like, there are very pressing issues in the world today that isn't this, and I understand that, but I think people also need to understand that you can think about multiple things at one time, and we need to be putting more as a country and as people, like, if we want to increase women in STEM or people of color in STEM, start, like, looking to this future of space and like literal space exploration not just low space orbit because that's gonna that's things like spacex are gonna create a number of jobs for people to start pushing themselves to those things because when you have so many scientists pushing themselves and creating new technological advances in the in the goal of a thing you're opening up so many more doorways for jobs to be created for other scientists and so for me like all of it's interconnected like we can worry about problems that are huge in our communities or our country but we also need to understand that when it comes to funding stuff like nasa and space exploration and stuff like that that is actually a really big thing too um and so you should probably think about that as well that's all i have i'm kind of sad 
I got an intertwined fun fact. And fun fact, the uh, 1986, the NASA tried to get kids back into, you know, wanting to go into space. And so they had one called the Challenger. And basically, Ooh, we talk about um, the, Kate, you kind of That's made a joke, the but the, the teacher who went up to, uh, went in the rocket, she was actually an astronaut teacher. So she was actually like, they say she's a teacher, but she was an astronaut in the, in the NASA program. <laughs> um, obviously, that blew up and she died on live TV. But what people really don't realize is apparently during that time, she was not the first invited per se because the guy who was Big Bird and played Big Bird wrote a documentary in which he stated that NASA wanted Big Bird to go and he was actually the first civilian ever invited. But obviously Big Bird's like eight foot and so it never actually happened. NASA confirmed that the talk did happen, but they never obviously anything approved. But Big Bird did not go up in that shuttle and so instead they got Christine... And she blew up on national TV instead of Big Bird. And oh, people talk God. about, like, if Big Bird would have blown up on national TV, how much that would have been, like... Devastating for children? Yes. <laughs> like, I don't think that's a conversation. That's a conversation for Mr. Rogers. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not, not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it just... It sucks because, like, I think, like, one of the big reasons why Apollo matters is because it did push us so far. But now, Apollo, as much as it matters, is kind of like our Achilles heel in all of this. It's where we keep saying we went and we did, but it's like, I think, Matt, you, like, talked about that about, like, high school athletes and stuff. Okay, but what did you do now? (laughs) Like, it, it, it was, like, one of those things for, like, NASA and, like, our country is so far as it comes to space. Like, yeah, we did that what did we do now like what are we doing now like it to me it's kind of like it, it's kind of hard and so now after having this wonderful episode which you're listening to after i watched apollo 11 i'm hoping that i went into apollo 11 and didn't just get incredibly sad after watching the documentary adrian <laughs> um i'm just trying to think of something that hasn't really been said i mean i think it's hard, I mean, we said this at the top of the episode, it's hard for me to, to conceive and be in the mindset of people thinking, like, space isn't important. Like, dude, like, we're, we're, we're humans. We, we should be naturally wanting to know more about the things that we don't know about. It's like, why wouldn't we want to more go look at those things? Here. Yeah, like, why would you not want to have a Federation and a Starfleet and meet the Klingons. Uh, but not really that. I think we need to know more about this stuff, man. We can, like, see this stuff from our house. Like, why, like the, the, the progress has stopped, and now people like Elon Musk are paying to shoot people into space, and they might beat, you know, our actual government-funded space program to things because we aren't putting enough importance on space as, like, a society. It's very sad. Um, but to that, I would say, if you know young people, go push them to be in STEM and show them things like SpaceX and sh- things like that to get them interested. Because I don't know if we're going to race any Russians anytime soon to kind of get national interest back into space. So I think it kind of just relies on if your kid, if you're listening to this and your kid thinks that, oh, yeah, I think I like space. Okay, then let go take him to the Houston place or take them somewhere where they can see space so they can get into it because the we need more kids who like space stuff there's plenty of kids that i work with now who 
are in a who are in like computer science and AP computer science and AP computer principles, and they all want to go work for Facebook and Google and blah 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 blah. Uh, but I've been telling them to like, why don't you go look in the? I'm going to go start telling them, why don't you go look in the private sector of space and go shoot up the next? I don't know who, whenever they're old and shooting stuff in space, they can ask X Y Z character if they want to be in this shuttle that hopefully won't you know explode because I guess they're good enough to shoot stuff into space so I think I think we're good there I don't know one long way to say put, tell kids to go be interested in STEM and space and that's the only thing that you can really do as a person because you can't influence law people to not be terrible but old white people actual science people into Congress we could do that we can do that we could, we could do that you can try to do that. Yeah, well, we, yeah, we, we can try to do that. We live in Texas. We can try very hard, get close, and then cry at the end of the night. Um, obviously, I read this episode because I've always enjoyed and obviously I enjoy space and watch it. I've pretty much watched, you all figured out, I watch pretty much everything that has to do with space that I've seen documentary-wise. I personally don't like movies like we've mentioned. Um, I hope we get somewhere, but it is, it, it's really depressing to think about because there is just a bunch of people... Where Kate kind of made the joke last night of, what do you what do you tell your children? We watched the Mars rover, kind of sing a tune and die, and that was what we got. <laughs> um, but overall, like Adrian talked about with the kids and stuff, of like actually encourages encouraging people to take these risks and want to learn and research and explore, and just move forward and push everything. I don't believe people have that anymore. I be bluntly honest i think people these days are cowards when it comes to a lot of this stuff um my field of science and study was about the natural world and like mine just like a lot of the others is now like it's almost just become farming in the sense of like what can it do to help humans here and it's like well that's not necessarily what science and pushing the boundaries are for of just like oh can we make some better crops no we want to know more and what is not known and just learning and innovating your mind and we talk about like obviously 400,000 people and it's been like automated but you know if you get people you know that are just even in mathematics and stuff and pushing these limits we may not their field the field may be automated now but as long as they're growing they may create new fields that we don't know of like robotics as much as I've kind of mentioned it that wasn't a field for I mean how much has come today I mean obviously it's you know, still I think 1920s maybe when it started, but look at it from where then to now. Um, rocket science, geology, biology, electronics, and you know, computer science, as Adrian mentioned, these things were kind of you know there. But look at them, compare them now. When you get people who think and are smart and want to do stuff that's not been done before, you're going to create new things, and you might create new jobs. And why it's depressing when I see people. My own thing, I know we do the podcast over media, but media depresses me of how much we put focus in like movies and actors and actresses and what did they do and, oh, I got my kid to go see this movie. Who cares? I'm sorry. But like having them actually go learn stuff and not like, oh, they saw a movie and they're inspired. You may be able to get a spark, but you're not teaching them anything and they're not it's learning kind of anything. Like they can get in, like, I, I, like to the point, Matt, I think it's important for them to get inspired but then it's actually on the parent to be like, okay, but now I'm going to put you in space camp or now I'm going to like 
start nurturing that spark that was there. Like you actually have to follow it up with more programs that are focused on that. Right. But what I'm saying in general is like we put so much focus on like that stuff and like doing that instead of like focusing on like why don't we have people do these other things? You talk about STEM and all. To get people interested in STEM and engineering, you know how you do that? You have them go do STEM and engineering. <laughs> and, like, they need to actually do it. And you see, and you show them to do that and actually physically do that, not just, like I said, we, we care more about a millionaire person like Matt Damon on Mars, but we're not putting money because basically people don't care. I guess it's also different, too, because if you look at Star Trek, that was before we were actually in space. So, like, when, like, when astronauts now, like, the dude who wore the Klingon shirt on the ISS, like, people who were inspired by Star Trek, we didn't have people already in space. It was something that was unexplored. So, it kicked them in the butt to, like, actually go and be the first to do those things. And now that's not really there. No. And like I said, we have, because the main thing I think about when we talk about, like, the difference between media and inspiration stuff is a Jurassic Park episode, they said about, they did a study, like I said, about two-thirds of kids, they love dinosaurs. They don't know why, but they're inspired by dinosaurs. We don't have that many paleontologists. So, but that's also because paleontology does not make money. Which is, but another thing, like like, I said, because we fund money into other forms of media. I mean, it's, I mean, well, one, I've spent, like, the last, you know, seven years of my life in college access, and I think it's just all about making sure that your kids have the right kind of stimuli to kind of, like Matt was kind of saying, kind of get them interested in those kind of camps, and like you said, like, put them in space camp. I think that's where it really stems from, because they can, like, like Star Wars and like all this stuff, but if you're not stimulating them to want to be interested in that by the time they hit high school, then they're just going to want to go work for Facebook and they're going to want to go work for Google, even if they are in like the STEM fields, because that's where the money's going to be. But if you stay, if like if you kind of stifle, not stifle, but like if you encourage like that creativity to kind of be focused in that space route, then by the time they hit high school, they will be like one of my kids who's going, because um, at our school, we require the kids to go to a summer program in between their junior and senior year. And one of my kids is going to an aerospace camp, and he's, like, the only one. The rest of them are going to, like, medical camps and all this stuff. But he's, like, the only one who wants to go to a aerospace camp. He's going to, like, two of them this summer. And I think that's because his parents took him to space stuff and not just, like, watching things on TV. Because he's not even really that big of, a, like, a, you know, a nerd as we would kind of classify it as. Sort of like, lacking Star Wars and Star Trek. He just really likes space yeah, like so I, I get your kids involved in stuff, and like I think that's like the best way to do it. Yeah, no, like I don't want to say media like people aren't interested in thing, but like as a person who's hung out with scientists for a long time, for every like one or two that you find are really nerdy, there's a bunch of like or like you know love pop culture type stuff. There's a bunch of them that don't care at all, and I would say that far but outweighs. I, well, I've people. seen first of all, man, I've seen Big Bang Theory, so <sighs> wrong. Gosh, I mean, I will say this. Every single person at SETI was a fan of Star Trek because they made that joke to open up the conference. <laughs> so I will say that. And then it went, it, it derailed the opening keynote into discussions on captains. So, um, also, one of the linguists there uh, was actually the person who uh, made Dothraki. So, I. I 
I think it depends on the science. That's fair. But no, I just, I, I like I said, you can get there, and for, like I said, for every person you do, there's plenty of them that don't. Yeah, the, don't generalize. And I just, overall, for as much media as we produce and as much like tough to produce, why are we not having actually producing all these people if it's that important to me? Yeah. The overall yeah, numbers are low. Because like I said, we are producing tons of media and tons of stuff like this and these inspirational things, but the actual numbers of people being in them and thing are declining. So if his media is that fair, big of a porn, like... Well, to be fair, though, like, a lot of the influx of that type of media, like, the, that generation has not entered the workforce. Like, we don't know the actual impact on a lot of this, like, media blitzes that have been happening because those, like, the the affected youth are not entering the workforce. So what, what I mean, even in general, though, like, you're saying, like, Star Wars came out in the 70s. So oh, even yeah, those kids. About, I thought you were talking about the other stuff. No, but I'm talking about in general. Like you keep talking about, like oh, the general. You, what are you talking about? Anybody that's born in 2000 is 18 years old. Well, technically, Star Trek is like start like you. I've listened to enough Star Trek episodes of literally every astrophysicist that gets on there talking about. I do this because <sighs> Star Trek. No, that's what are all the franchises that came after that? We don't have like I just like I said, you can say all you want about Star Trek and people there. The people that actually started grew up watching Star Trek watch people go to the damn moon. But they credit Star Trek. Yeah, okay. You can say what you want then. No, like that's literally what they say. No, you can say what you want, but you can't back up anything of like why do we not have anybody there? Like the numbers are plummeting in actual people. Because we don't have money there. Like it goes back to funding. Like a parent because we probably, don't care. Like the parent that sends their kids to med school is probably sending their or like to med like medical camp is probably sending them there because they know that they can make money in that job. A parent who fosters a love of doing something like space or something that isn't necessarily a traditional career path, that's a parent who is okay with their kid just being happy in their field. We're an economy okay. driven. We're an economy driven people in a capitalist driven people you go where the money is so like i think it has to go hand in hand that's fine but where's all the funding going then the military well we knew that if we're honest it's the military we know that because we're, we're talking about like federal budgets getting spent no i mean federal we, well, yeah we're we getting are cutting media programs federal Correct. budgets are constantly cutting media programs so like if we're looking at federal budgets it's not going to any media at all. Privatized budgets, yes, but federal budgets—they're not—they're not cutting NASA to go fund Captain Marvel and stuff. <laughs> like they're no, but we yeah, they're, they're not going to cut funds more. to go hate half their audience. Why would they do that? Like NPR has lost so much money, and so have the other public access, like actual journalistic integrity people, because a lot of it has been cut, like at, from the actual media budget, and a lot of it's getting put into more militarization that's okay. the actual answer okay now we just need all the really really rich dudes to team up and all go in on spacex and then we'll get somewhere but they're also not putting money into movies other than amazon amazon's putting money into movies but the real question is is armageddon scientifically accurate no <laughs> not so you can find us 
at ButWhyThePC on all of our social media. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. It helps people find us, and you can find me at OhMyMythRandier on Twitter. Adrian? Yep, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. Matt? I'm dead. <laughs> Inside. He, he can't talk in the vacuum of space. <laughs>